Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Fonication, the podcast dedicated to those weird DMs I keep on getting from you guys, because that is exactly what this episode is about. It's another one of the 10 series, so I figured I'll compile all the weird animal facts you guys send in my DMs and kabobble them into some Frankenstein sort of episode. Because as weird as those DMs are, I actually really love them. They bring me so much happiness, which is probably indicative of needing therapy, but I'm probably just going to let it simmer until I have a breakdown. Also, forgot to introduce myself there. If you're new here, that was a hell of an introduction. My name is Jack, and thank you so much for tuning in. If you're not new here, you should have come to expect this type of social ineptitude from me by now. Come on. But also, welcome. So the way today's episode is going to work is I'm going to mishmash some of the fun facts you guys have sent me over the weeks, and they won't all necessarily be not safe for work, but they won't also necessarily not be not safe for work. Also, want to apologize ahead of time for my voice. I know it's a little uh, raspier and grosser than usual. My vocal fry is coming through strong, but I have a little bit of sore throat. I promise it's not coronavirus. <laughs> but let's begin. Let's dive into the episode. So the first cool fact that we're going to begin with is from Zorkdork. And I want to thank you so, so much for your message about penile implants. You were so incredibly nice, and it actually made my whole goddamn day. I sent screenshots of your message to my boyfriend, and he was really, really happy for me. So to give you guys some context, this message came in response to my episode concerning bottlenose dolphins. And I mentioned in that episode that bottlenose dolphins have fibroelastic penises just riddled with collagen, and all that collagen makes them stiff. And then I made a joke about it being a potential alternative to Viagra for humans. And then Zorkdork made sure to message me that modern medicine already has penile implants. So it's not injecting collagen into a dude's dick, but I'll take it. There are two different kinds of penile implants, and the most common being inflatable implants, with the pump to inflate the penis stored inside the balls, which means that you have to squeeze the balls to turn the penis on. <laughs> the other type is semi-rigid rods that are implanted inside the penis so that it's just always erect, never flaccid. I don't know if that's better or worse than a never hard. I can't imagine the struggle of trying to conceal that under clothes and explain, oh, I swear I'm not getting a boner in public. I just never don't have a boner. I already had the boner before I walked into Walmart, sir. Anyways. <laughs> All right, so the next fact, also from Zorkdark, please keep sending them, is about a bug named Regimbarsha attenuata. Researchers in Japan noticed that 90% of the time when this beetle was eaten by a frog, it came out the other end alive. They tried with 50 other insects, but nah, just this guy. <laughs> Could you imagine being pooped out? That sounds awful. I don't know if the situation is worse for the insect or the frog. If I got pooped out by a frog, there isn't enough therapy in the fucking world to fix me. That would be so genuinely traumatic. So let's move on, because I don't want to think about that anymore. The next DM about animals comes from Jess. She told me to look into kakapos and what the fuck, dude. There's a celebrity kakapo named Sirocco. And I'm sure you're wondering why a kakapo is a celebrity. And it's because the dude tried to mate with a conservationist on television. He achieved worldwide fame when he got on top of Mark Kawardin? C-A-W-A-R-D-I-N-E. So he got on Mark's head and he started trying to impregnate it, which Stephen Fry, of all people, provided the commentary for. And naturally, it was a hit. And he became so famous that the Prime Minister of New Zealand named Sirocco as the official spokesbird for conservationists. 
and he's had a number of media appearances since his first porno, which were well-deserved, of course. Jess also mentioned lek mating, but I will not be talking about that today because I will be doing a whole ass episode on it instead. So let's talk about something that Michelle told me about. I was going to talk about it in my lobster episode, but it wasn't super sexy, and I wanted to give her a shout out on this episode instead. Lobsters pee from their faces, <laughs> which <laughs> is absolutely disgusting. Imagine peeing from your nose, way too close to your food hole. Like, I know that urine is sterile, but it feels inherently unsanitary to me. They have openings on their faces called nephrophores, and they're located by their second antenna. And they use it to just, you know, regularly pee, but sometimes they'll even just piss on each other during fighting with other lobsters. <laughs> it's just, it's weird. <laughs> Could you imagine just like getting into a sword fight because people still get into sword fights and just pissing on your opponent? <laughs> it's just, and actually, the worst part of this is considering how much overlap there is between the furries and having a piss fetish, I'm sure that this knowledge is going to open up a whole new avenue of disturbing porn. So I'm going to move on before someone takes that as like an invitation. <laughs> so this next fact is sent in by Brandon. He actually sent me quite a few. So let me go ahead and enlighten you guys. First off, honey badgers are damn near bulletproof. I know everybody is like, Honey Badger don't give a fuck, and it's so true and so awesome. I'm actually going to do an episode about that. Probably number 23, I think. Maybe 23 or 24. We'll see. Soon, I promise. But they have insanely thick skin, about 6 millimeters thick, and it's practically impenetrable. Basically, unless you've got a shotgun or a point-blank shot to the head, you're not going to penetrate the skin. Machetes don't do shit. Spears don't help. Farmers are regularly advised not to shoot honey badgers, no matter what they're doing or what they're, like if they're attacking your livestock, because honestly, what the fuck are you gonna do about it anyways, except piss it off? Even large predators know not to fuck with honey badgers because a lion can't penetrate a skin, but even worse, its skin is also super loose and they can actually like twist around inside of their own skin to like reach around to the eyes of the lion that's attacking it if one is that stupid. So actually a lot of times if a honey badger approaches a lion at their kill, the lion just dips. He's like, you know what? You have it. You have it. I don't need it. <laughs> and I really don't fucking understand the whole skin thing. Like, well, I understand the thickness of it, but like not the looseness of it. Like, I really don't understand how that would work. Which is another reason why I haven't done an episode on that yet, because I'm still <laughs> looking into that. <laughs> so I'll talk more in depth about honey badgers then. The next fact is about hamsters. First of all, hamsters weird me out. Second of all, turns out this is just my natural instincts giving me the very justified heebie-jeebies about pure evil. They like eating babies. That is just textbook demonic. Like, just level one, that is a demon. So sometimes hamster mothers do it because there's a lack of food and they're like, well, babies have caloric value to them. Gotta get it from somewhere, which can be like objectively justified, I guess. <laughs> but sometimes it's literally just because she's stressed. She's like, wow, motherhood is not fun. I'm out. <laughs> so she eats them. <laughs> sometimes the scent on the babies get fucked up and she's like, these don't smell like my babies. I don't want to take care of them, so I'll just eat them. <laughs> like, could you imagine your babysitter being like, ugh, not my kids. I'm just having for them for dinner. <laughs> she would not get a tip. 
And sometimes she does it to be a good person. She's like, hmm, it would be easier to give a good life to two babies instead of five. It would also be easier if I had more food to have energy to take care of these kids. So if I eat these three, that meth checks out. <laughs> so generally pretty vile, but it's been a recurring theme throughout human history too. So I guess I can't judge too harshly. <laughs> the next fact is from my mom because she is amazing and so supportive of this horrifying podcast. So she loves that elephants have such strong familial bonds to the point where they actually have funerals and grieve their dead. A researcher once played the voice of an elephant who had died in hearing distance from its family and the family reacted horribly. Like you guys, it's heartbreaking. They went insane looking for the elephant, trying to figure out where it was. And the daughter of the dead elephant called for her dead mother for a few days afterwards. And thankfully, the researcher realized they should never ever fucking do that again. So they didn't. <laughs> but it actually does serve to prove just how empathetic and emotional elephants are. A matriarch elephant named Big Tuskless, because of course that's its name, Big Tuskless, <laughs> once died of natural causes. And a few weeks later, a researcher named Cynthia Moss took her jawbone to determine her age. And after she was done with it, she placed it in a field with other elephant jawbones because that's just a normal thing to have, <laughs> just lying around. Soon after, the matriarch's family actually passed through that camp and ended up going directly to Big Tuskless' jawbone ignoring the like dozen others nearby. And when elephants come across the bones of a fallen elephant, they almost always stop and examine it. They'll like, they'll touch the lower jaw and the teeth and the tusks, which are actually the areas they would touch during greetings in real life. And sometimes they actually carry away the bones of dead elephants. A couple elephants were observed returning bones of a dead comrade to the exact spot where he was shot and killed. They've even been observed frequently performing small burials by covering the bodies with soil and leaves. And that is just so, so tragic. I feel really sad thinking about elephant funerals. So to bring the mood back up, let's talk about a fun fact sent in by Rihanna. She told me about an octopus named Grinellodone boreopacifica. And you guys, I never promised to get any better at Latin. <laughs> This species is significant for its insanely wild egg brooding time. So the way that it works is that the octopus will spit out her eggs onto like a rock or something, and then she'll hang out protecting them until they hatch. And that's not weird. Lots of animals do that shit. We do something similar by taking care of toddlers until they're old enough to do their own taxes. But unlike many animals, she sits there, not eating, just slowly starving to death so that she can protect her eggs for four and a half years. 53 months to be specific. <laughs> that is just wild. She just fucking dies afterwards. There's no evidence that she feeds while she's just clinging onto this rock. And it's actually not even necessarily due to a lack of resources. Researchers observed one mother for the entirety of her egg brooding period, encompassing 18 visits over four and a half fucking years again, and noted prey that were normally on her menu being shooed away by her. Researchers even tried offering her already killed crab pieces and she told them to fuck off. <laughs> like, I get pissy when I miss breakfast. I can't fathom not eating for over four years, especially when the option to not fucking do that is so readily available. Fucking masochism. I will never understand that. And I recognize that I'm an incredibly selfish person overall, but like, that feels like such little benefit. 
Like, sure, you're protecting your eggs, but do you really gotta die over it? You don't. And you don't get to watch them grow up. You just die and they're like, thanks, I guess, mom. Bye. <laughs> Actually, isn't that called like a, isn't that called a martyr complex? I am like 90% positive that's a real thing. <laughs> Either way, this bitch seems toxic and is not something to be emulated in the human world. The benefit is that actually upon hatching, these octopuses are the largest and most well-developed baby octopuses in the world. But not sure how the part where she starves herself helps with that shit. <laughs> and quick note, I know I said octopuses, and that is because that is the proper pluralization. It is not octopi. Octopus is actually a Greek origin word, so we would use the Greek pluralization if we want to be hypercorrect. And the Greek pluralization is octopode. So people don't really use that, so it's more correct to say octopuses, which is, you know, the S is the English pluralization. If it were a Latin word, then we would use the Latin pluralization, which would be octopi. So that is the nerd I'm going to leave you guys on, and I'm sorry about that. I'm a nerd in multiple areas, linguistics especially, but I hope you guys all learned a lot, and I hope I've made you uncomfortable. I do it out of love, though. I genuinely love you guys so much. You guys make me so happy doing these episodes, and when I get your feedback, when you send me messages, when I get those what-the-fuck comments, I love all of it, for real. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review. It helps out so, so much. And if you super love this podcast, you should consider becoming a patron at our Patreon. All proceeds go directly to supporting this podcast, or honestly, more often than not, to charities that support animals. Don't forget to tune in next hump day for weird shit. Bye. Bye.